to you, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the Gospel. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Our culture has an aversion to pain and death. The aversion is really just human nature. But a consumer culture like ours aggressively promotes the subtle lie that there is something we can take or do to avoid pain. In church, this tendency to avoid leads to a tendency to try to make all religion upbeat and happy so that everything we do in church makes us feel good. Funerals become celebrations of life with no space to actually mourn our loss. Worship becomes all resurrection and no cross. In our practice of the faith, our liturgical mood depends upon the calendar. And the calendar takes us through the life of Christ and the whole range of emotions associated with his life and teaching. And this saves us from our, uh, our tendency to avoid pain. For example, Lent confronts us with the reality of our sinfulness. It's heavy and penitential. This leads us to a season of Easter, which is joyful and leads to joyful celebrations of Ascension and Pentecost. And we get into a Trinity season, which has kind of mixed themes and notes as we cycle through all the teaching of Jesus. This is all to say that the rhythms of liturgy and calendar are kind of like real life or kind of like real life in Christ. In today's gospel, Jesus describes the emotional shift experienced by his disciples as they went from crucifixion to resurrection. Quote, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. The disciples wept and mourned at the crucifixion of Jesus during his trial and as he was taken away and as he was killed. But their sorrow was changed into joy on Easter when they saw the risen Christ. This is the same emotional transition we experience again during Holy Week. We weep and lament because he must die for our sins. Yet our sorrow, our penitence, our mourning becomes joy on Easter as we experience resurrection forgiveness, new life. The first disciples mourned over what they thought to be the end of our Lord's life and their hope. So their mourning might have even bordered on despair. We mourn because we meditate on our sinfulness, which requires, in the words of Easter Eve and Exultet, quote, such a price to be paid by such a savior. Our mourning is always seasoned with optimism. We are sorry for our sins, and we try to make good confessions, but we know that Easter is coming, and Christ will rise, and our sins will be forgiven. As 1 Thessalonians says, we do not mourn as others who have no hope. One way we can understand this is to say that Christ has changed 
the pain of life in a fallen world, which is by nature the pain of death, into the pain of birth. And this is the reason the Bible describes the pain of the cross as labor pains, as Jesus said in our gospel today. Quote, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she does not remember the anguish for joy that a human being is born into the world. You now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and your joy no man will take from you. The pain of the cross is like the pain of birth because it produces new life in the resurrection. And this contrasts with the pain of life in a fall, or excuse me, the pain of death in a fallen world, which doesn't produce anything other than death. The image of childbirth recalls the punishment and promise God gave to Eve in Genesis. Quote, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. Yet God also promised that the seed of the woman, the fruit of this painful childbearing, would, quote, bruise the head of the serpent. And this is interpreted in the Christian tradition as Jesus crushing Satan under his feet. This imagery continues throughout the Bible. The prophet Isaiah says of Israel, quote, as a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs when she draws near to the time of her delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. Revelation says of Israel, the woman clothed with the sun, that, quote, she was with child and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. And she brought forth a male child, one who is to rule all nations with the rod of iron. Thus, the labor pains caused by sin produce the joy of Israel's Messiah. And by extension, the pain we experience as followers of Jesus produces new life in us and fills us with the hope of resurrection. The imagery of childbirth teaches us that Jesus did not come to take away our pain. He came to participate in it and transform it. In Christ, our pain, the pain of sin and death by nature, is changed into the pain of birth. The suffering that we experience in Christ are the birth pangs of the new creation. We think of the birth of Christ as taking place at Christmas. However, the imagery of childbirth that is being focused on in the gospel is about Good Friday and Easter. The passion and death of our Lord are the labor pains, and Easter is the birth of a new humanity. Revelation describes Jesus as, quote, the firstborn of the dead. We participate in Good Friday and Easter through baptism as we are born again. We are born again to the gift of the Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, new life is planted in us 
in the same way that new life is conceived in the womb of a mother. The labor pains are what we experience as this new life that has been planted within us struggles to grow against the contrary influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are born again, but we are also being born again. New life is planted in us in baptism, but this life is not yet fully formed. As this life grows, we experience labor pains, and the most painful things often produce the most growth. And as with an expectant mother, the pain is often the greatest just before there is new life. The child within a pregnant mother is destined to break free from the confines of the womb. So the life that is planted within us in baptism is destined to break free from the confines of our weakness and mortality when we become glorious new people on the resurrection on the last day. This helps us to understand why the fullness of life in Christ cannot be experienced as merely perpetual happiness and freedom from all pain. Life in Christ includes birth pangs as well as new life. If we never experience the pain associated with the cross and the call to repent and change, our subjective emotional state may be on the, on the surface more upbeat. But we haven't solved the problem of sin and death, and we haven't dealt honestly with the reality of pain in a fallen world. We have merely avoided these things. Authentic Christian faith involves real pain and real struggle that produce real peace and real joy. A real birth requires real labor pains. In the New Testament, the most characteristic Christian attitude is joy in the midst of tribulation. We can be joyful in tribulation because we are bearers of the life of Christ. And thus, we have the sure and certain hope that the pain we are experiencing in Christ is producing eternal life. Jesus endured his suffering with the full assurance that he would rise from the dead as Lord of all. We face our tribulations in Christ with the full assurance we've already conquered the world through faith. Eternal life has been conceived within us. It is struggling to grow in us, and it will come to its glorious full birth when Jesus comes to raise the dead and renew the creation. <clears throat> As Romans says, quote, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.